God doesn't fit in our boxes. And I like that about God because he doesn't want us to get into the formula approach to him. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you got your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Luke, chapter 8. Luke 8. Doing kind of a little special series called Close Encounters with Jesus. And of course, we know that whenever we have a close encounter with the Lord, we're never the same. That's why when we read His Word, we're never the same. Things that seem to be so obvious, sometimes we miss. It reminds me of a story I heard one time where some police officers came and speaking to an elementary school. And in this uh, presentation that the officers were giving, they showed different pictures on the screen of some of the most wanted criminals. When it was all over and done with, the officer said, do any of you children have any questions for us? One little girl puts up her hand and says, what's your question? And he says, she says, well, those are really wanted criminals, huh? And he goes, yes, they are. Well, why didn't you keep them when you took their picture? Things that are obvious don't always, so anyway. We look at this today, we see some pretty obvious things. We see people who have needs. You may be somebody today that uh, is pressing in hard on God because you need a specific miracle from God. But by the way, God is in the miracle working business. I'm so glad about that. And so letting God be God in our life. Let's pray. Father, as we Go to your word this morning, and we know again that when your Holy Spirit touches us, we're never the same. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would come in a special way and encourage, bless, convict, and restore every one of us listening in Jesus' name. And we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would cause us to remember these things when the trials of life come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we look here at verse 40. We remember Jesus was up in the area of the gatherings in the verses before. We remember the guy that was possessed with many demons. His name was, uh, when he asked the name of the demon, he said, Legion, for we are many. And Jesus pretty much wiped out the pork industry in the northern part of the gatherings. Well, we find that now Jesus is on his way back to the Galilee. And so this is where we find In our story, verse 40, Luke 8. And so it was when Jesus returned that all the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jarius, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, And she was dying. 
But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, this word uh, literally means we're suffocating him. The press was upon Jesus so much, people pushing, shoving, getting around him, says that a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians, sounds like many of us today, and could not be healed by any, came from behind, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? And they all denied it. Peter and those with him saying, Master, um, the multitudes are pushing against you and you ask, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive the power going out from me. Interesting picture that we have here. Man named Jarius, leader, ruler of the synagogue, comes to Jesus, begging, falling at his feet, saying, come to my house. My daughter is grievously ill. We, and she was about 12 years of age. And by the way, you're going to find some stark parallels and opposites in this little part that we're reading. And what probably would cause us to be more aware of anything is the number 12. The woman had this issue of blood for 12 years. She was tormented for 12 years having uh, this illness in her body. Jarius, on the other hand, had 12 years of joy having his only daughter. It's interesting that trials will come to any of us, all of us, and you're going to be involved in those trials in, I believe, pointing people to Jesus. A lot of people say, well, I thought God loved me. Why do I have to go through this problem? Remember this, because God allows a problem to come into our lives doesn't mean he doesn't love us. In fact, he tries to show us, I am the supplier of what you need. If you're going through something in your life right now, and if you're not, I guarantee you won't be long before you will. Why is that? We have a God in heaven that wants to be intricately involved in our lives. And if everything went perfect in my life, I wouldn't call upon God. It's when I find myself in trouble, I cry out to God. So if you're going through something in your life, you don't understand it. You think, well, God, I, th- I thought you loved me. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And I have this problem Only realize this, God shows you his greatness through our need. Now, something else that we understand. You're going to come into contact every day with people who are in need. Now, you're not the source of the solution. You are the sign or you're the map to the person who can help them. Now, I believe that, again, when people are at rope's end and they don't know what to do. In fact, I couldn't help but notice I was out by the bridge uh, the other day and, and on the sign. Basically, they have a sign up that says, don't jump, call for help. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, God's got a solution for you and he's got a solution for your friends. And because you're a Christian and you represent God... People are going to come to you with their troubles and we direct them to God. Always remember, we are an exhaustible supply. I run out, but God is an inexhaustible supply and he never runs out. Well, we find this guy, sick daughter, comes, 
Jesus said, okay, he's on his way, he's on his way to Jarius' house. And as he's on his way, something gets in the way of the answer to Jarius's miracle. You know, I think there's always going to be that, that we think something's in the way of me getting my miracle from God. In this particular case, it was another daughter, you might say, who had been troubled for 12 years, and she had come up with a scheme. She said, if I could only touch the hem of this garment, I'd be healed. Boy, I'll tell you, talk about a step of faith, an act of faith, to just come up with that kind of a thought. But one of the things that we've always talked about, God does not fit in our boxes. We like to always have formulas for God. That, that's just the way we are. I, I, I mean, if you're going to get uh, paint matched for your living room and you get a scratch or a ding and you go down and you tell them, well, the color of my living room is bungalow beige. They go, okay. And they go through their fall, bungalow beige. And it has so many squirts of red and so many squirts of brown and so many squirts of blue. And all of a sudden, here's the color that matches your house. We like formulas. We just do. Because when I do the formula, I get what I want. But God doesn't fit into formulas. Because it's not a formula relationship. It's a child-father relationship. I don't believe anybody here wants your children or you to go to your parents with a formula. Okay, look, I did this, 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 this. Do you love me now? No, you love them regardless of anything they've been gone through. This is one of the great problems with religion in the world today. It is formulas. Go say so many Hail Marys. Go do so many things. Go do so many righteous deeds. This will then make you acceptable to God. When first of all, we realize what Jesus did on the cross for us, took away our sins. I'm acceptable to God now. All God wants from me is a relationship with him where I don't go to him with a formula, but I go to him just saying, Daddy. Now, I really believe, friends, this is the key message in the New Testament after we're born again. To restore to us as human beings what was lost in the garden when God would come and walk with man in the cool of the evening. I can never stress this enough because once you really pick up on what I'm sharing with you today, you'll spot religion as quick as it comes out of its ugly box. Because religion is formulas, something I'm going to do to impress God. Look how good I am. I joined this church. I gave all my money. I did this. I did that. And God goes, oh, well, that seems to be a great formula for my uh, attention. No. God just says, as a matter of fact, I love you. Jarius comes to Jesus. Jesus, my daughter is dying. Can you help? Jesus said, okay, so he's going along. The crowds are pressing him. They're slowing Jesus down. I could just see Jarius biting his nails going, oh, get out of the way. All you people, go away. And then comes a woman with her idea. If I could only touch the hem of his garment. Now, there's really a lot of different acts of faith in the Bible. You'll see it all the way through the, the, the Bible and, and, the, and the way Jesus healed. Sometimes he used mud. Sometimes he just spoke it into existence, the guy's eyes. God doesn't fit in our boxes. And I like that about God. God's much bigger. 
because he doesn't want us to get into the formula approach to him. Well, here's the thing. So, if I just touch the hem of his garment, we remember the centurion that came to Jesus and said, uh, my child's ill. He said, you say the word, I'm a man under authority. You say the word, they'll be healed. And Jesus said, such faith I've not seen in all of Israel. As you said, go. Jesus healed from a distance. So as we look at this, Jarius now, I can see him being very, very concerned. This woman, issue of blood for 12 years, according to ceremonial law in Leviticus, she could not go into the temple. If she was married, her husband theoretically could not touch her. This girl was really ostracized. And where the little girl that Jesus was on his way to pray for was in everybody's lap. Everybody everywhere, this woman was ostracized. The miracle that Jesus did, notice it says, who touched me? And they all denied it, Peter. And those with him saying, Master, the multitudes throng you or literally smothering you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for a reason. You know, it's interesting. You can be in a crowd of people bumping elbows with Jesus, but Jesus knows what you need. I like that, that Jesus singled out this woman because he understood her specific need. Isn't that nice to know you're special to God? I I love that about the Lord. It isn't one size fits all that you're just one of the masses. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when Jesus was on his way and we remember this little tax collector named, uh, named Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells us that, that he was a tax collector and nobody liked tax collectors in those days. And because he was a short stature, he wasn't a tall guy, he couldn't see over the crowds. He figured out which way Jesus was going, ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree, the Bible says. And there's this little man hanging out of a tree And Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I must spend this evening with you. And uh, again, I'm amazed. I think Zacchaeus was amazed. He knew his name. God knows your name. Nothing takes God by surprise. I, I know sometimes when we pray, you know, it's like, well, God, you know, I'm really sorry. I've been out doing some sin. I, I know you don't know this, God, but this is what I did. God goes, I've known all along what you did. But God still loves us. And he understands that. And so he offers his forgiveness when we cry out to him, and he does forgive us. And so Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt the power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling in the presence of all the people. The reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Verse 48, it says, and he said to her, Daughter, And by the way, this is the only place in the Bible where we find Jesus calling an older woman daughter. Kind of interesting, but I think it goes along with the rest of the picture here of this story. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, faith has made you whole. We look at this and realize Jesus was never too busy to heal somebody. Yeah, he is on his way to do something else. Crowds pressing around him. And yet Jesus, the power that was within him, healed this woman. Now, the bad news. And while he was still speaking, 
Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying it to him, your daughter is dead, don't trouble the teacher. You can probably just see the heart of Jarius at that moment when he heard that his daughter is dead. It's too late. The crowd was too much around Jesus. There's, there's a bunch of people in the way of your miracle. Uh, your daughter's dead. Oh, I can't imagine the grief that this man had in his heart at that moment. Jesus came back. He was overjoyed that he got back into town. Comes and falls on his, before him and asks him to come to his house. But now it seems that it's too late. But when Jesus heard it, Now, by the way, they weren't talking to Jesus. They had come talking to Jarius about his daughter being dead, but Jesus overheard it. By the way, I'm so glad that Jesus overhears much of our conversations because he's got a way of making things really, really good and repaired in our lives. And Jesus heard it. He answered and said to him, Do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. Notice two things that Jesus told him. The first one is, don't be afraid. I think that's really important because so often in the interim between the miracle that we need and God's deliverance, there's an opportunity for fear. Fear of the unknown. I think there's a lot of things that cause fear. Let's say you've got an issue in your life right now and it's pressing upon you and you don't know what to do. Fear comes in, first of all, will God do anything? That's, I think, a great fear. I think another fear is, what if whatever trial or situation in my life gets worse? What if the biopsy comes out to be prognosis positive and, and I'm in much worse shape than I think? There's a lot of fear that can come in during a trial. Now, I think this is why Jesus said this to him. Everything you've got to realize looks hopeless. His daughter has just been found dead. He just finds out this message. Jesus tells him, don't be afraid, only believe. Now, believing is important. I've seen uh, bumper stickers that say only believe. Maybe quoting Jesus right here. But without the context of the rest of the chapter, the word only believe can be quite foolish. You say, Mike, what do you mean? Well, what do you believe in? See, it isn't just only believe and just keep saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. But what are you putting your faith in? You see, as we look at the context of what we're reading here, and this is what's lacking on the bumper stickers, is that the context is that Jesus is the healer. He's the one to whom we have to do. He's the one that we have to understand where the solution to our trial comes from. So my faith has to be in God. It isn't in just simply believing for believing's sake, but it's where does your hope lie? I believe trials cause this in our life. I think trials cause us to reassess our life. You know, it's really funny. Talked to many, many people in my life over the years, and 
One of the guys was t- I was talking to, he said, you know, I used to be so concerned about the door digging in my car and, and whether I was going to get the house uh, painted in time for winter and all these different things until I went to the doctor and he diagnosed me with cancer. And then all of a sudden, all those other things absolutely meant nothing. Because a trial will cause you to refocus on what is real and what isn't real. So much of the things, friends, we worry about, so even sometimes the trials that we, that we go through are, are sometimes can be so foolish. When we really look in the light of God's answer to that which is a real serious issue in our life. Oh God, I'm going through a trial. Somebody pulled the Jesus bumper sticker off my car and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's a problem, yeah. Maybe somebody didn't like it on your uh, toolbox at work. Somebody peeled your Jesus bumper sticker off there too. And that's a trial. And that's a problem. Well, yes, it is. It can be. But I'm saying when we start getting into the life and death issues. And by the way, I believe God is concerned about everything. Our cat got into some mouse poison. And it causes, the way the mouse dies is it hemorrhages from the inside. Well, the cat decided it was pretty tasty uh, vittles, and so it ate it. And pretty soon we realized our cat was bleeding to death. And so we, uh, as much as I don't like cats, we took it to the vet. And the vet says, I've seen this a lot. Well, my little girl, really, this was her little world. This cat was so important. And she began to pray for her little cat. Now, I don't know if you ever heard a little three or four little year old kid pray. Oh, Jesus, heal my cat. And you know, I got to tell you, she had faith that I didn't have because I didn't even know if I wanted the cat to live in the first place. But she prayed, and you know, the cat, against even what the doctors thought, lived. And I look at that and I realize that depending who you are, depending what the trial is, depends on the size of it in your life. A trial to you may not be a trial to somebody else. We are going to be exposed to people all the time who have trials. My point is, is this, point them to Jesus. Not just simply to have faith or believe, but believe in him. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.